If you would, turn in your Bible with me this morning to John 14. John 14 and verse 21. Jesus said, red letters, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Who is it that loves the Lord? You know, he said in another place, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? So we know it's not just words that reveal people's love for the Lord. He said in 1 John, he talked about, let us not just love in word, but in deed and in truth. Just because you say you love the Lord doesn't mean you do. Just because you say it loud and a lot and cry while you say it doesn't mean you do. You can weep profusely <laughs> and holler, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. And that doesn't mean you do. I think this has been a point of confusion because people have thought that's all it is to it. Just say, I love the Lord. No. How do you know someone loves the Lord, including yourself? Those that keep, that have his commandments and keep them. He said, he it is that loves me. He that loves me should be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Oh, glory to God. Judas said to him, not Judas Iscariot, different Judas, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? He said, how are you going to do that? And he answered him. And he said to him, if a man love me, he's really already said it, hadn't he? He's telling him again. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come to Him. That means you don't have to try to find God. We'll come to Him. And move in with Him. (laughs) And stay with Him. Whew. Oh, glory to God. I am just at a loss of words. About this truth here. What do you mean? Well, the more I learn about the Lord, and the longer I go in this thing, the more I taste and see how good He is, the more it burns in me that I want to know more of Him. I want to see Him. I want to know Him. It's always that way. It's always been that way. It'll always be that way. Moses saw some things of the glory of God. He got close to the glory of God. And he saw and heard some things of the glory of God. And what did it do to him? Oh man, it lit a fire in him. Until he got to the place where one day he cried out and he said, God, show me your glory. I want to see you. I want to see more of you. I want to see the rest of you. I want to see full in your face. I want to see you. God said, well, you can't. 
You can't see full in my face. You'll die. <laughs> but I tell you what I'll do. Isn't he good? <laughs> There's a place where I can put you. And I'll put my hand over you so you don't see too much. Did you hear that now? So that you don't see too much. And then I'll let you see some of my back parts. And that was enough to keep him shouting for a long, long time. (laughs) Wasn't it? Anybody that is unconcerned and doesn't care about seeing the Lord are people that don't know him. Because if you have met him and you have some, even a tiny bit of experience with him, now you want more. You want to see more of him. Because there just is nothing that compares with him. Nothing. 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 And so, any and everybody that knows anything about him, they have it in their heart, they want to see and experience and know more of him. Well, they, another way of saying that is, we want him to manifest himself. Or, that's a, more of a word that's not used as much today, we want him to show himself to us, uncover himself and let us see him. Now, God is a God who reveals himself. The scripture also says he's a God who hides himself. I know that sounds strange to some folks, but both are true. And that's what Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but a different one, is saying, Lord, how are you going to do that? I mean, if you manifest yourself, won't everybody see you? He said, no. If a person loves me, they will treasure what I say. And they will keep it. And they'll do it. And those ones, my father and I will come to. And I will manifest myself to him. Many people, maybe their desire is right. They want to see and know more of God, but they're going about it the wrong way. They're just begging God. Oh, God, I want to see you. Oh, God, I want to know you. We talked last week about desperation. Oh, God, I'm so hungry for you. Oh, God, I need you so much. I need is not faith. In every area of life, beware of that phrase. We need more money. We got to have this. I need a healing. I need this. Well, how many times you need to say that to establish that you need something? Hmm? You saying you need it puts you no closer to it. In fact, it just increases your awareness of your need. There's no faith in saying, I need something. Monitor yourself. Watch what you're saying. Watch what you're doing. And a lot of times people are praying this and don't realize They're just staying in the realm of walking by sight. I need, I need, oh God, I need. Well, how many times you need to tell him that you need it? Didn't the Bible say he knows what you need before you ask him? Well, it's not that he needed you to inform him another thousand times. Oh God, I need it. Oh God, I need it. Oh God, I got to have it. He's wanting to hear something else. (laughs) He's wanting to hear something else. Besides, I need, I want, I've got to have. 
Anybody walking by sight can say that day after day. Takes no faith at all. But he said if we would keep his words, we don't have to clamor and say, oh God, show yourself. Oh God, show up in our services. Oh God, manifest yourself in our midst. Oh God, we need your presence. Oh God, we want your presence. (laughs) The reason I'm laughing is that's the bulk of praying of most of the church. Oh God, we need. Did he tell us to pray that way? Do you know anywhere in the Bible, uh, the New Testament particularly, where he told us to pray that way? And beg him for his presence. And be desperate. He told us to desire it, to be hungry, but we don't have to go looking for ways to motivate him, to reveal himself to us. He's told us exactly how to get him to manifest himself to us, didn't he? How do you do it? Keep his words. Keep his words. Keep his words. Do what he said. Put it up on the screen again in the Amplified. In the Amplified, that uh, 21st verse. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show myself to him, reveal myself to him, manifest my... Did the Lord say he would reveal himself to you? Come on, did he say he would manifest himself? He would show himself to you. Is there anything more important? The Amplified goes on to say, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Oh, glory to God. Can God be more real to you than he is right now? Oh, yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can reveal his presence to you so strong. He can be much, much more real to you than he is right now. Do we care about that? Do we want that? Then let's not go into the begging mode for it. Let's do what he said to get it. Hallelujah. This is talking about faith. If everybody on the planet saw God for who and what he really is, there would be no unbelievers or skeptics on the planet in a moment of time. Everybody would bow the knee before him and confess allegiance to him, whether out of fear, just seeing how awesome he is, or a desire to get some benefit from him, just seeing how what he has and what he can do for us. But God has purposely not revealed himself to the whole world. Because if everybody just saw him and knew him, love wouldn't be involved. It's like people that are super, super rich and single. A lot of times they've learned not to tell people who they are and what all they've got, lest they not know whether the person really cares about them or whether they're just trying to get what they have. Well, how much more this would be the case with God? 
who has everything and is everything and can do, including eternal life, everything. So he set it up such that we have a short lifespan and we come into the world and things are such that you have to choose whether you believe him or not. And you have to serve him by faith, not seeing and knowing fully who he is and what he is. But if you do, you qualify. We have a few years down here to prove we believe him, even though we don't see him. To prove we love him, even though we don't see and know all about him. And that faith qualifies us. It not only qualifies us to be in his family later, it qualifies us to see him in a measure now. The person who will, without seeing and without knowing, will take the word of God and love it and practice it. Even though they don't see and feel everything, they do it by faith. They have proven they love and believe in God. And he has a right to manifest himself to you in varying degrees here and now. Here and now. Here and now. Here and now. (laughs) And there's just nothing in this life more important. More exciting. More exhilarating. More amazing. You ever had God get in the chair with you? you don't know what I'm talking about, then maybe not. Somebody said, what do you mean? The Holy Spirit can get in the chair with you. He can get in the car with you. Now, he's everywhere all the time. And the Bible said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's there. But he's not always in the same measured degree of manifestation. He's in you. But he can come on you. I mean, if I came and got in the chair with you, you'd know it. Wouldn't you? You'd go, wow. Brother Keith's in the chair with me. You'd know it. Wouldn't you? It'd be real to you. The Holy Spirit can get in the chair with you. I remember as a boy. In grandmother's blue room, (laughs) the cold room, where you had to have five quilts. You remember that? You know, you didn't have the central heat and all that stuff. They'd just pile quilts on you until you couldn't even turn. (laughs) And boy, you sure didn't want to get out from under there in the early morning when it got time to get up. But she gave me a book. To read. She was a great believer, secretary and treasurer of the Pentecostal church, the first one in that Aryan community for decades and decades and decades. And she gave me a book about a man of God and about some amazing things that had happened. And I couldn't have been all that old, eight or ten, something like that. And I'm reading this book, and it was about the glory of God and about a prophet of God and about. A boy being raised from the dead and and it was real it was actual things that had happened and 
I'm telling you while I was reading that book in that cold room, the Holy Ghost come and got in the bed with me. Oh, wow. I mean, this is years ago, but I mean, it's real to me as I'm telling you about it right now. I mean, he come, got in the bed with me, and I uh, cried. I praised God. I wasn't scared or worried, but I just, I hardly knew what to do with myself. And I thought, God's here. God's in the room with me. Well, see, as I was reading that, I began to believe for the first time some things. As a boy, I began to believe. I began to be willing to do something that he would say. He saw an opportunity and a right to manifest himself to me. There's been numerous times and places and ways since then. But what can you and I do to initiate him showing himself and making himself real to us? Keep his words. Now we've talked about this before. What does that mean? Keep, it means, you know, you're going to hear them. I see them. You're going to remember them. You're going to treasure them and value them. And you are going to do them. So we've begun on a study in the Gospel of John. All of his words, the whole Bible are his words. And they're all precious. We want to be doers of all of them. Of course, that would be quite an extensive study. I mean, this one itself is turning out to be substantial. (laughs) But that's all right. If we stayed on this for a year or two. You know of anything better? So, I mean, the words of Jesus. How much more important does that get? So go with me to John 2. And let's continue in looking at his words. Asking ourselves the question. Do we understand what he said to us? Are we doing it? His words to us are not suggestions. They're not supplemental they're mandatory they're commands he's our Lord so whatever he says we want to make up our mind already before we even hear it and know it we must do it we want to do it John 2 we were talking about last week you remember what we were talking about (laughs) somebody said parties that's right that's exactly right Jesus went to parties And drank wine. And ate rich food. He was criticized for it. By the religious leaders. Wasn't he? He was called a wine bibber. And a glutton. We're talking about the head of the church. Oh boy. You should see some of the looks I'm getting across. I'm quoting scripture friend. Have you read the word? And the first miracle in his ministry was not to heal a sick person or to deliver a demoniac, but to supply a party with wine. (laughs) What should we learn from that? (laughs) Well, draw your own conclusions, but see how it applies day to day in your life. But you know, there is a danger in getting too stuffy. There's a whole lot of people have left the impression that when you give your life to the Lord, your fun is over. And there's a whole lot of people that don't come near the door of a church 
And they don't even consider being a Christian because they have relatives that are. And they think if being a believer is being like them, they don't want any part of it. Because they're unhappy people. They're judgmental. They don't do anything. They don't have any fun. But it's not what the Bible teaches. It's not how Jesus lived. It's not right. Sin and fun are not the same thing. No. So beware of being judgmental or being critical and being, you know, frowning. You should be the life of the party. You should be happy. You should be showing people how to party correctly. (laughs) Without sin. Show people how to have a... Truly have a good time. Hmm? That's right. Sometimes people are so shocked. I know uh, years ago, I got a new sports car. And uh, Phyllis and I were somewhere. And we pulled up in this place in it to get gas. And I came in, there was this young girl behind the counter. And she said, oh man, that's a fine car. That's a fine car. I said, yeah, I'm really thankful for it. She said, you're thankful for it. I said, yeah. She said, what do you do? (laughs) I said, I'm a preacher. She said, no way. (laughs) I wasn't dressed in a suit and tie, you know, and Phyllis and I are just out having fun. And she said, nah, nah, you just joshing me. You just messing with me. She said, I think maybe you sell drugs. (laughs) Now think about it. She thinks if you're going to have something nice, if you're going to have any cool about you, you got to be a sinner. Got to be a drug dealer or something. This is a universal idea. You know, that if you're a preacher, you are poverty stricken and probably a coward. I'm serious. A beggar and a coward. I mean all the old westerns you know. The preachers crawled under the wagons. With the women. While the real men got the guns out. And defended the people. <laughs> Yeller belly. <laughs> Sickening. There's never been a greater man of courage than Jesus. There's never been anybody that knew how to have more fun than Jesus. Think about it now. Little kids loved him. He'd just come into a room and all the kids mob him. That tells you volumes. Little kids don't mob sour pussies. Fuddy duddies. Stiff, cold people. Now do they? No. Somebody that's hollering every other breath. That's a sin. That's a sin. 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 That's a sin too. Sin, 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 sin. Sin. Little kids do not mob people like that. 
Jesus could just walk through a place. And the kids would mob him by the scores. Just mob him. In fact, the disciples thought, he can't do anything with all these kids hanging on him. So they come peeling the kids off of him. And he says, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Why? He was fun to be around. Is this the picture the church has painted? No. Jesus was fun to be around. You ought to be fun to be around. I ought to be fun to be around. Fun to be around. I'm checking, seeing if you believe this. I'm looking at you. (laughs) This would be a bad time to sit here like. Bad time to do that. (laughs) If we hadn't been everything we could be in these areas, we can change. God can help us. We can change. You don't have to be sinful to have fun and have life. Have parties. Glory to God. Well, we're still in chapter (laughs) 2. Skip on down to verse 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. And did what? Did what? Manifested. What does the word manifest mean? Show. Reveal. Make real to. He showed them, he made real to, he uncovered his glory. They saw his glory. Now let's come back. Do we see the principle of our text in that passage? When and how did they see the glory? What did Jesus' mother say to him? Whatever he says to you, do it. Did it take faith? We already talked about it. They're in their party clothes. They got their hair combed. They smell good. And they got to go out there and haul water from the well for hours and get sweaty. And why? Why? They don't need water. They got plenty of water to party. Why? Why keeps you from the miraculous? Why can cut you off from the blessing of God? Why? They didn't ask why. They just did it. And those that love him will keep his words. They'll treasure them. They'll remember them. And they'll do them. And those that do them. Come on, help me out. Those that do them. He will show himself to them. Did they see the glory of God when he did this miracle? And the water was turned into wine? Yeah. You talk about having a party. They just thought they were having a party till this thing happened. Come on, put yourself. They're the disciples now. The Lord told them after they filled up the water pots. He said, take some out and take it to the governor of the feast. And they brought it to him. Of course, it took faith to do that. And he took a big swig of it. And he looked at them and said, mm, mm, mm. Now, most people put out their good wine at the beginning of the party. And then when people begin to get, you know, uh, <laughs> a little less discriminating. uh <laughs> I didn't put this story in here now, okay? They put out the bad stuff, the junk stuff, the sour stuff, the cheap stuff. But you have reserved the very best stuff 
Till now. And put yourself in these guys. They're over there trying to fix their hair. They're sweaty. They're stinky now. And they're looking around. They thought. Do you thought maybe they had a party right there in the corner. They thought, glory to God. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. It swept over them. They saw they experienced the glory of God. They're experiencing God. Did that affect their life? Did it change their life? And it was connected with them doing what he said. Let's keep going. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cain of Galilee manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him. After this he went down to Capernaum. He and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, they continued there not many days. The Jews' Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep, and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overthrew the tables. Jesus is different than a lot of people think he is. We see him at the party. (laughs) Now we see him whipping folks, and kicking over tables. (laughs) See, religion has created a Jesus The Bible does not recognize a long face, pale, rings under the eyes, halo over the head, somebody that the Bible doesn't know, doesn't recognize. This is a vibrant man. This is a full of life man. Full of love man. Full of joy man. Passionate man. He saw this situation in here. And it went all over him. He's not led by his emotions. But he has them. Did you hear me? People think God. Is colorless. What do you mean by that? He sits on the throne, and he's old. I mean, really old. He's got a long, gray, stringy beard, and he's always the same, and he is, but the same what? Some people think that means he never smiles, he never frowns. He's never glad or mad or happy or sad. He's just boring. Not true. Not true. Not true. God is a whole lot like you. Come on now, if we take two of these seats here, and we hold them up and we say, this chair is exactly like this chair, but this chair is nothing like this chair, doesn't work. 
if this chair is like this chair, then this chair has to be like this one. And if we're made in the image of God, and we're like Him, He has to be like us. (laughs) Minus the perversions and sin. (laughs) But He has to be something like us, doesn't He? Or we can't be like Him, it just doesn't work. You can study If we had time, we could go through and look at verse after verse. God has what we might call emotions and feelings. He can be grieved. He can be hurt. He can be mad. We're talking about God, the Almighty, creator of heavens and earth, who sits on the throne. He can rejoice. He can be pleased. He can be glad. And he sings. God sings. Wonder what kind of notes he can hit. How many like a CD of God's favorites? Think about it. One of these days, you and I are going to be in glory. And somebody will say, oh, come here, come here, come here. God's going to sing. Well, I'll be standing there going, and the Father is going to break out into a song. wonder what that'd be like. Glory to God. So must you go into the concert tonight? Who's singing? God. God's singing. Angels are playing. Jesus is going to do something too. I think they're going to do a duet with He might let us sing with him. God gets happy, sad, glad, mad, all these things. The Bible said be angry and what? So that means getting angry in and of itself is not sinning. If it were, then God would have sinned when he got angry. Just having a feeling is not in and of itself sin. What do you do with it? Where's it coming from? Some things you yield to, some things you don't. But here something went over Jesus. He walked into this place. They got all these booths. Animals. How many animals can stink? And you got all this stink in the temple. And people are bartering. I'll give you ten for it. Nah, I ain't taking ten. It's got to be twenty. Haggling in the temple. And I mean, it went all over him. Now, he didn't just act impulsively. If you look at the other passages of Scripture, he saw this and just left. The Bible said he made that scourge of cords. Well, it took time to do that. (laughs) And while he was pondering this, And making his whip. (laughs) He got clearance in his spirit. That he was to do something. And he came in there. Pow. (laughs) Pow. Pow. Get out of here. Pow. Pow. Birds go flying. 
He comes and grabs their cash registers. And flings them. And money goes everywhere. Get out of here. I said get out of here. Get this stuff out of here. Pow. Pow. Get these birds. Get And birds go flying. Get out of here. Get these cows out of here. Moo. Pow. Get. Get out of here. I mean dust is flying. Birds are flying. People are falling over. Money. And of course if you throw a bunch of money and scattered around. What's usually going to happen with that? Everybody, I mean, there was some motion and movement in this place. And what did he say? We're talking about the words of Jesus. What did he say? He said, take these things hence or out of here and make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. When you love God and people run roughshod over his holy things and treat commonly and even blaspheme and defile his holy things, you are not unaffected. You don't just go, ah, oh well. Mm -mm. How many know love and passion go together? Fervency. He was passionate about his father's things. He was fervent in spirit. And he expressed it. When you love God and you respect him, you treat his things with the proper respect. Don't you? This is the reason why I've said some of the things I've said concerning our church and our place. I've said we don't do our business at the church. Don't be trying to sell something at the church. I'm talking about trying to sell uh, shoes or trying to sell land or trying to sell a car out in the parking lot. Don't do it there. Go to the restaurant parking lot. Go to your house. Go to your business office. Don't get on the phone here in the foyer and try to make deals and close deals. The thing is the atmosphere. If you look up this word, he said, take these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. Merchandise. If you look that up, the, in the Greek, it means a house, a mart. Mart, M-A-R-T, slash emporium. Well, I mean, we see things all the time that are Mart, Kmart, Walmart. And it's good to have Kmarts and Walmarts, but not in the middle of the services of the things of God. It's not time to have Walmart or blue light specials or rollback prices or we're not supposed to have that environment and that feel in our church and in our things of God. Are we? It's all right to have some fun. Sometimes I'll say something funny. Phyllis will say something funny. Somebody else will. We'll laugh. But it shouldn't feel like a comic place. You understand what I'm saying? We have music 
We have playing, we have singing, and shows, we're in showville. And shows are good and fine in their place, but this is not a show. This is not entertainment. It's supposed to have a different feel, isn't it? A different feel. We're not, it's not supposed to feel like an auction, is it? Who oh, give me 30? Who oh, give me 50? 100 here, 100, 150, 150, 100, 175. It's not supposed to have that kind of feel, is it? What kind of feel is it supposed to have? What kind of feel? Luke says this, Jesus said this, recorded in Luke. He said, it is written, my house is the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Is this important to the Lord? Is it important to God? It is. It is. He said, a den of thieves. People came to the temple to pray. They came to hear the word of God. They came to wait on the Lord. And they had to, when they got there, it felt like a mall. It felt like a flea market. Come on now, it felt like a garage sale. It, it felt like an auction. Felt like let's make a deal. Well, where's the anointing of God when it feels like that? Friends, something I desire, Phyllis and I have talked about this, the Lord has spoken this to us when we first began this particular church, that we are to excel in hospitality. The Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of adoption, isn't He? He is the Comforter. The Spirit of adoption makes you feel like you belong. Oh, come on now. The Comforter makes you feel warm, comforted. Friend, I... You know, people see me when I'm speaking or when I'm doing something else. But so much of the time, it's you they're sitting by. It's you they're coming by in the parking lot or in the foyer or somewhere else. Friend, please, please, let this be in the forefront of your thinking all the time. Let it not be that God brings somebody across here and they're hurting or they need something and they're looking for something in God and everybody walks past them and it feels cold. Let it not be, ever. You know, be more open than reserved and closed. Be led, but be open to the idea of taking somebody to lunch. Or letting them visit with you. Or you visit with them. Or taking them shopping and buying them something. Or, you know, a warmness. You know, following them out of town and and stopping at the gas station and filling their tank up and Buying them some snacks or putting money in their pocket or, and not just doing it to be doing it, but expressing the love of God and the warmth. Come on, the warmth. Do you have a desire also that if people pull in the parking lot, they feel welcome. They feel comfortable. They feel like people really care whether they're there or not. Is this important? This is extremely important. You know, our greeters are doing a good job. Our parking lot people, they're doing a good job. Our children's workers, our ushers, they are. But all of us have a part in this. 
people sit with you for an hour or two or three or four in a service? <laughs> That's a lot of time for you to be there. You don't need to be sitting there sulking about something. You don't need to be sitting there consumed with your own needs and your own wants. And they feel like nobody cared if I was there or not. And it's not that they have to join the church and come here regularly. They may not. But they could have a wonderful experience when they came to Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri. Come on, they could have a great experience. They could say, and I tell you what, that's the friendliest bunch. And people put money in my pocket. And they just loved on me. I reckon I got 300 hugs before I got out of there. Man, they just hugged my makeup plumb off. They just hugged me and hugged me. I must have had 12 people offer to buy my lunch. Ain't never been treated like that. This is keeping the New Testament commandment. This is the love of God. Hospitality is an expression of this love. That's one of the reasons why we're believing for prosperity. So we can have extra to do things like this, to reach out. There's supposed to be a a warmth in here, not a cold marketplace feel, but a warm, rich, anointed Holy place. Can you say amen? Amen. We come here to worship God. Not buy and sell. We come here to give glory to God. We bring our offerings to Him. Not to barter. We come in here to get fed the holy rich word of God. We come in here to find the plan of God. And the will of God. Make changes. Make adjustments. It should have that feel to it. Every blade of grass. Every spot in the parking lot. Every sink in the bathroom. Every chair. Now keep reading and you'll see something that Jesus unfolded. He said, get these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a mart. A flea market. A emporium. House of merchandise. The scripture said, verse 18, the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show, seeing that you do these things? Because see, they are the ones that allowed and instituted these things in the temple. They couldn't have been in there without them letting it happen. They're getting a cut. Hmm? They're getting their percentage. This is happening today. People are hard selling. I've seen it with my own eyes. They're hard selling products. I'm not talking about charging for a tape or a CD. That can be done in a proper way just because we don't charge for them anymore. Doesn't mean I'm opposed to that. That's not why I changed that. But I've seen market situations that are run in churches by unbelievers. And I've come to visit to speak for people. And they try to hard sell me 
different tonics and different situations and different things. And it's obvious why, you know, they want me to come back and sell it to you. As you notice, I never have. And the reason why is they want their cut. That'd make the place feel like a market. And Jesus said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. He knew they weren't going to understand that. (laughs) And he didn't explain it to them. He did it on purpose. He knew they were going to think he was talking about the building they were standing in. Because that's the one he just ran the cows out of. That's the one that the money scattered all over the floor in. The house. The building. He said, destroy this temple. In three days I'll raise it up. He knew they were going to think he's talking about the physical building. And yet he did not one thing to explain it to them or try to change their minds. He just left them thinking that. Because he knew they didn't have a heart to hear it. And yet he knew later on people that cared would get it. His people and you and I are talking about it this morning. We get it. They didn't. We get it. Somebody say, I get it. I get it. The Jews said 46 years it took to build this temple. You going to raise it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Hallelujah. We're talking about not making this church house and place a marketplace. But this church is not the temple of God. I said this church is not the temple of God. Is it? Listen to these scriptures. Acts 7, 48 says, The Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. Acts 17, 24 says it again. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, Know you not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. All the things that you were agreeing with just a few moments ago about us not having an auction in here, it applies to the people of God, not just the building. Come on now, this building is not the house of God. It's something the Lord uses, it's something we've dedicated to His use and purposes, but this building cannot, never will be the temple of God or the house of God. You and I, we make up, and all the members and born-again ones make up the temple of the Lord. And He warns us in 1 Corinthians 3, He said, if you defile and destroy the temple, you'll be destroyed. I mean, it's very serious. We must not treat each other as common Just like you think, well, yes, yes, we shouldn't have a bunch of livestock in here, in auditorium. We shouldn't get up and try to hard sell products and do that kind of make it feel like a market and a mart. Apply that to people. Oh, there's a time and place for business. That's okay. There's time and place for shopping. You know that. It's okay. But apply that. We're not, what were they doing to the temple of God? They were treating it. Like it was a common place. Come on, can you see this? And we must not treat each other just as common. 
To God, His people are precious. We're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A rare, precious people. Come on now. And we're to see everyone, no matter what denomination, what group, where they're from, none of that matters. If they're born of God, if they're the people of God, we're to look at them and go, treasure, treasure. Tre-. And isn't that what we were talking about just a few minutes ago with the hospitality? Why do you treat people so special? Because you believe they're special. They are, they're special. They're so important to God. God looks at all His children. He looks at all His people. And He goes, precious. Ah, precious. And so when we, you and I see them, we should help express that. Can you say amen? amen? Go to 1 Corinthians 11. And we're going to receive communion this morning. And you're going to see that the exact same thing that we're talking about you find in this passage. 1 Corinthians 11. Some things ought not be mixed. We should make a difference between the holy and the common. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. He said, In this that I declare to you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Is it so that there are times when people have come together, supposedly in the things of the Lord, they'd have been better off not coming together at all? They were worse off after they came together than before, and they were calling it the things of God. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, what you're doing is not the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone takes before the other, his own supper. You're not waiting on each other. One is hungry, another is drunk. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? See, they're acting like they're at the house, just eating and drinking. Despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then he goes on talking about how Jesus partook of the bread and the wine at what we call the Last Supper, and what we're about to do in communion. What was the problem there? They weren't aware of the other people that were there that were doing without. They were being gluttonous and not even aware of other people that were doing without and didn't care. And they had their own little factions and they were just hanging together in their little groups and clusters and acting like they were at the house. And it displeased the Lord. If you read the rest of the passage, you see they weren't discerning the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. They weren't valuing and being aware of the body of Christ. It's so wonderful, like we said, things like part of the family going down and helping the people when all their limbs broke off in their yard. 
That helps them naturally. But you're saying, when 20 people show up, when you look at that big pile of stuff and go, man, how am I going to do this? How long is it going to take to get this done? And 20 people show up with joy, asking for nothing. Come on now. And you know what? They all got stuff they could be doing. They got lives. They got jobs. They got stuff. And so the natural thing gets done, but that's really the smaller part of it. What's the big part? The big part is people saying, we love you. You're important to us. We care about you. You're valuable and precious to us. This pleases the Lord. I said it pleases the Lord. It's good in His eyes. Stand up on your feet, everybody. I want to pray a prayer. Say it out loud. Father God, thank you that you are love. I believe your love for me. I accept it by faith. You said you love me like you love Jesus. By faith, I accept that. And I'm so thankful. You said if I love you, I would keep your words. I would do what you say. If I loved you, I would love your other children. Forgive me for any times I've ignored, not taken notice of, not been aware of your people. I've not discerned your body. I've not treated others with the love I should have. Help me to be aware, to see, to notice. Thank you for giving me ability and more ability to bless others and help others. I claim it. I desire it. Thank you for helping me do it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hand. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.